G'day, welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Hey, welcome to show number 134. Yogi's headed off to America to attend the Mid-America Truck Show. That means I've got Andy in for double duty this week. He's got Tim Friedman from the Whitlam's Black Stump Band, and we're going to hear a couple of their tracks as well. I had Barry Grimson on the phone while he was tooling down the Yam Highway in his big 900 legend, and we have a bit of a chat about the state of play in trucking today and he shares his thoughts on a few of those issues always interesting to hear what barry's got to say and i catch up with jake perrett from carter's heavy haulage and transport he was named as the road freight new south wales professional driver of the year recently at their conference in sydney we've got a bit on this week i suppose it's time to hit the road Get this show on the road. Yes, get over there. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road. But when we're on the road, we're listening to the on the road. <laughs> There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. G'day, it's Andy here and this week the music guest I'm bringing to you is not a new face on the music scene. In fact, he's been, and still is, one of the best-known names and the most recognisable voices in the Australian music industry over many years. He formed his band in 1992 whilst at a Big Day Out concert in Sydney and over the following couple of years performed more than 300 live shows up and down the east coast of Australia. Originally travelling in an old Holden Kingswood station wagon before graduating into an actual tour bus, in fact, the same bus that was actually used in the filming of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert in 1994. In February of 98, they released the iconic single No Aphrodisiac, which went on to be noted as number one in Triple J's Hottest 100 for that year. In May of 2000, arguably the band's best-known single, Blow Up the Pokies, was released, which went on to be their highest-ever charting single. Now, if you haven't figured it out already, the band I'm talking about is the Whitlams, who've been entertaining us now for over 30 years. During the depths of COVID in 2022 came a surprising country detour for this much-loved outfit. Working under the name of the Whitlams Black Stump Band, they've just launched their new single called Kate Kelly, and 2023 will be a huge year for the band as they tour the length and breadth of the country with their unique sound and incredible songs. Joining us today is the man who started it all and is still there fronting the band, 
the Australian music legend who is Mr. Tim Friedman. G'day, Tim. Thanks for joining us on the road. Pleasure, Andy. Can you tell us how this new version of the Whitlams came into being and how the Black Stump Band was ultimately added to the name? Well, I went on the road. Yeah. That's what musicians do. Yep. You know, I think I've spent more time driving around the country than a lot of musicians. The band started in the early 90s when you could still do a bit of a country tour. So we'd go up and down the East Coast every six weeks, Sydney to Brisbane. Yep. When COVID happened and there were lockdowns, I sort of regressed to my earlier state and I was in a position where I could do country touring again mm. because I could just go out and play solo and 150 people would turn up, yep. you know, or 300 people would turn up and pay 50 bucks each in a theatre in Orange or Gunnedah or Dubbo. And so I just started being this independent solo artist again with my piano in the back of the car on the highways out in the country. Right. And then I started realising that I wasn't getting out of the city enough. I had my elbow on the breeze and I was loving the lifestyle. Starting to enjoy it. Yeah, and so I rang my friend, Matt Fell, who produces a lot of great country albums, and I said, Matt, let's have a bit of an experiment with some country music. So he put his dream band together, all the sort of A-team guys from the studio scene in Sydney. Yeah. And we all met and did four days in a big studio and had really good chemistry. They enjoyed each other's company and I enjoyed theirs and... I just said off the cuff one day, I said, oh, I'd love to take this out on the road. And I think they were at the stage of the lockdown where they'd take any excuse to get away from the family. Yeah. <laughs> and people like Rod McCormack, who's just a marvellous banjo player and acoustic guitarist. Oh, yeah. He said, oh, yeah, I'll come out and play. And I thought, oh, well, this is more than I bargained for. So I booked a few tours. And now we're a band. So uh, in August 2022, we toured from Cairns down through Mackay, Gunnedah, Barrel, and then we went all the way down to Queenscliff and on the south coast of Victoria. Right. It was a great way to get the chemistry happening. Mm-hmm. We're just starting to hit the capital cities in March and April of 2023. Yeah. So the Black Stump Band name, how did that come about? It was rumoured to be something to do with a signpost you saw somewhere, but apparently that's not exactly right? No. We did drive through Black Stump Way at one stage and a press person had put that in a press release that I'd got the inspiration from that. Right. But no, I've always loved the phrase, Black Stump. It's a very Australian phrase. Yeah. It was actually first, don't quote me on this, but from my memory when I was looking at it last year, it was first of all mentioned in a law case really early on in the Sydney colony in about 1830 or 1820. Okay. Two blokes were having an argument about perimeters, you know, where their land started or something and the judge in his judgment said, oh, yeah, they said that the line was supposed to go here where the black stump is. Okay. And then, of course, it started getting a colloquial meaning, which was, you know, out near the black stump meant sort of out back of Burkhardt, whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop, yeah. And then it had the extra connotation when I was young, you know, if something was a bit black stump, was quite agricultural, maybe a bit unrefined, a bit more real. Uh-huh. You know, you know, there's always a bloke at the end of the bar who you'd call the black stump philosopher. Okay. He hasn't been to university to study philosophy, but he's got a bit of real-world knowledge. Yeah, for every chance it's a truckie. <laughs> yes, indeed. They get a lot of wisdom from the radio. Yeah, life on the road. Yes. 
So I've always loved the phrase, and I thought it would suit a sort of roots music incarnation. So that's where I got it from. Right. Mate, the Whitlam's underwent a number of line-up changes over the years, but this particular group of people is something else, as you were saying, working alongside the likes of Rod McCormack, Matt Fell. Being in a band is almost like a complete lifestyle in itself, building relationships, spending so much time with each other. How is the feel within the Whitlam's Black Stump Band? Is it completely different to what you've come to know over the years, or is it more like a variation on a theme? Oh, it's a variation on a theme. The Whitlam's, who play the versions of the songs that people would know from the seven albums, had the same lineup for 20 years. Hmm. This is like a new band. I've brought my drummer over from the Whitlam's, Terrapie Richmond, who's very well regarded, hmm. and I knew Matt. But the other two are fellows of nice new energy, and Ollie Thorpe's a young guy. He's about half my age. He's 30. Right. And he plays a mean pedal steel and electric guitar, plays with Ian Moss and all sorts of people, but he's with us as well. And then Rod, who's more of an august gentleman, mm-hmm. he'd have probably 25 golden guitars, you know. And, yeah. You know, he just produced the latest Wolf Brothers album. So what's different about this lineup is these guys, they're a lot more established with their own identities. Yeah. Matt Fell and Rod McCormack probably produced 50% of the best country albums in Australia in the last five years. Yeah. And so the conversations are fascinating. I'll bet. They've both worked with so many people that, of course, there's a lot of gossip about uh, different artists and different bands and different eras. And yep. There's no way we'll exhaust all the war stories in 10 years. Yeah, for sure. I'll mention that I like Chad Morgan and Rod will suddenly tell me that he toured with Chad when he was 22 and about this time we had to pull Chad up off the floor because he was too drunk. <laughs> and I'll hear about him or I'll get in charge of the stereo system in the van and I'll play a Glenn Campbell's version of a Jackson Brown song. Mm. And Rod will say, oh, yeah, I was his MD in 1983 at the Opera House. And I'll say, yeah, well, I opened for Jackson Brown in 1992 at the Palais. And so... <laughs> We're sort of still getting to know each other and we haven't even started to scratch the surface on the good old showbiz stories that we have. So we're entertaining each other. Let's just put it that way. I'll bet. I can only imagine. Mate, coming out of COVID, when there was a drought of live music for so long, as Diesel once said, you never miss your water till you're dry. When you started getting the shows out there again, did you pick up on a different vibe from the audiences? Did you notice like a renewed enthusiasm from the crowds? Oh, definitely after that 18-month break, yes. Yeah. As I said before, I was in a sweet spot where I actually worked really hard because I'm really nimble. Mm -hmm. I can ring up a country town and do a deal in two days, have the show advertised on Facebook in three days and sold 250 tickets in two weeks. So I was going crazy and it was almost like I was in the Wild West and there was no one else out there. Mm -hmm. It was like sort of post-Holocaust. I'd get into Launceston and I'd go to the showroom and there's the piano that hasn't been played for 15 months. I'd say, get a piano tuner in here, it's dusty and it sounds like bagpipes. Yeah. And I was basically wiping cobwebs out of these theatres and pubs and playing. Tumbleweeds blowing across the stage. (laughs) It was almost like a Cormac McCarthy novel. Yeah. So the people that weren't frightened and did come along, as I'd say them, I'd say, gee, this music sounds better when it's not through a computer, doesn't it, people? Yeah. It's through these big black boxes with a bloke in front of you making jokes. <laughs> yeah. It's just an immediacy and a presence and a quality of sound that can't be repeated in the home experience. And they were much more aware of that, of course, because they've been locked away. Absolutely. Yeah, we missed it for so long. Tim, the amazing new single, Kate Kelly, what's the story behind the song? Kate Kelly was Ned Kelly's little sister, Hmm. and this is a real bush ballad, a bit of a murder gothic country song about Kate Kelly's life. has a lot of the history of the Kelly gang thrown in there as well. Hmm. 
She was 17 when Ned Kelly was hanged in Melbourne in around 1880. And she was quite a famous public figure herself, as all of the Kellys were, of course. We can only imagine now how famous they were. Yeah. You know, the night Ned Kelly was hanged, for example, she appeared in front of a paying audience of a thousand people at the Apollo Theatre in Burke Street, Melbourne. Wow. She lived a very short and tragic life after that because she had to sort of trade on the Kellys' notoriety to pull punters in to watch her do horse tricks and ride in rodeos. Yep tents up in country towns and say come and see Kate Kelly the last of the Kellys even though another brother Jim used to accompany her and act as a bit of security yeah so an interesting story I like singing songs with Australian themes you know I'm well known for writing about the poker machines and a bit of a novelty song about Gough Whitlam Mm. I've done crime ballads about people like Bertie Kidd and I don't know I just think it's really important now because people that are younger than me can sometimes be a bit globalized in their perspective yes especially as they're looking at their phones and I think we can too often forget that the textures and the history of the places we're actually walking around yeah so I'm really into Australian folklore and that's another one of the reasons that I wanted to see how some of my songs sounded with a country palette mm. because I think they're classic country music themes what country music's about is the stories about place and the stories about where you live and they have to have a sense of country it's country music yes and so i'm really intent on singing songs that are about my country so this is a little step back in time to the 1880s and 1890s yeah well you mentioned there blow up the pokies which still remains one of my favorite songs of all time but the remake that you've done of that with the whitlam's black stump band It sounds quite different, yet there's still that warmth of familiarity with the song. How did that new version come about? Well, I said to the guys, it's important sometimes to revisit what works because you get really tired trying to reinvent the wheel. Mm. So in music, I think you've got to have one eye on the past and one eye on the future. And Pokies is a song that really affected a lot of people emotionally and it helped a lot of people. Yes. Soundtrack to their recovery or it was a soundtrack to them realising that they should control themselves when the one-armed bandits get the better of them. Mm. And the guy said, well, we're not just doing a cover version of it. How can we give it a new life so that it can have a chance of being heard by new ears? Mm. And Matt Foley said, why don't we just give it a sort of hypnotic sort of 4-4 rhythm? Yeah. See, the original's a bit of a waltz. And I've done one, two, three, one, did the pokey. Yep. And now this one's in 4-4, which is in a completely different time signature, much straighter. Yep. Not so much of a big, grandiose sea shanty. Mm-hmm. And so that lets Rod and the banjo just run along. And I had to sing it very differently with the phrasing. Yes. I'm a bit older now, so my voice has lowered a few semitones. And so I like singing a bit lower now. And so it's a bit of a lower key. So it's a completely new beast. And I'm really gratified to see the radio numbers that some of the national country stations that I'm sure some of your listeners tune into sometimes when they're traveling around the country, like Kix FM, they played it a lot. Mm. I think that's socially useful because it's a message which hasn't really had that much influence on governments yet. No, no. The tides seem to be turning a little bit in some of the states. Yeah, we can live in hope. Well, it's a great version, mate. I love it. And it's great to see that the crowds are still lapping it up. Now, just quickly, I've got to ask, and this is a question sort of out in left field a little bit. I'm someone who avoids mirrors these days as I don't recognise the old fart I see there, but you just don't seem to age. What's your secret? Oh, I age. <laughs> Look, for about 10 years, I took my foot off the pedal. I was raising a daughter on my own, and um, I just sort of did a four-week tour every year. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, to be honest, I was running a little small business and punting, okay. which is a bit strange, but I wasn't gambling because the blokes I knew had some pretty good data, so it wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't um, like putting the inheritance into the pokies. So I had a real left turn, and I only got back into it 
I got my mojo back just before COVID and I realized I love it so much and I'm 58 and you can only do this stuff if you're fit. Yeah. And you can only get up 7 a.m. in the foyer and drive for five hours and be singing well at 10 p.m. that night if you're fit. Yeah. And so I just make sure I do that old rule. It's just, just do half an hour aerobic a day. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. Just have a swim, get on the recumbent bike and watch telly. So I just pretty intent on the exercise thing. And it's the only reason I don't look as bad as I should. Yeah. It's a funny profession too. You've got to be careful with it. Oh, yeah. I often say to people, I only drink at work, <laughs> which is sort of opposite to most people. Yeah. And I also have another rule, which has held me in good stead, is I don't waste my liver on midweeks. Yeah. So if I'm playing in Armadale on a Wednesday and, and Dubbo on a Thursday, I'll sing and have fun, but I won't get on the sauce. Right. And I'll think, all oh, right, oh, we're in Melbourne on Saturday. Oh, I'm looking forward to having a few. That's the night, yeah. Yeah, so it's just all about, um, like anything, like everyone knows, it's much harder to say than put in practice. It's all about moderation. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Tim, you've got the big city debut tour underway as we speak. Between the Whitlam's Black Stump Band in its entirety and the duo version of the band heading off to do an extensive regional tour as well, you've got a pretty big year ahead. Where can people go to get all the tour information and dates and venues? We've got a pretty good website, thewhitlams.com. That has the dates for the Whitlam's Big City debut and then the duo, in which is a lovely piano and pedal steel lineup. Yeah. It's a smaller outfit where we can go to places like Pakenham and, and Mornington Peninsula and Hepburn Springs. Right. And then we're doing the South Coast of New South Wales. And then I'm look, really looking forward to going up around through Maitland and Pacific Palms and Shoal Bay and Bowerville. Right. I'm having my Bowerville debut. There's all be towns that your <laughs> listeners are familiar with. Yeah. And uh, they've found a fellow traveller here. <laughs> Indeed. And, you know, Brunswick Heads and Lennox and Mwollombar and Yamundi, Toowoomba. Nice. Yes, yeah, the piano on pedal steel. And Ollie, the young fellow, he just plays it like poetry. Yeah. I love the pedal steel. It, it's like a, it's almost Middle Eastern the way it just bends and adds atmosphere and emotion to a song. And when you get a good proponent of it up close, it's a wonderful thing to hear. Yeah. What I'm finding I'm doing is I'll play the piano a bit lower because the pedal steel takes a higher register. Yep. And so we're really learning how to meld them. I'm pretty excited to develop that show, which will have plenty of opportunities to do so in May and June. Yeah. Well, you're dead right about the pedal steel. For me, it's always been that and a really well-played cello, the two instruments that can really get the hair standing <laughs> up on the back of your neck. Absolutely, yeah. What's the cellist who does Bach's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know who you mean. The Chinese guy. It's just solo cello doing Bach's famous variations. And if you listen to that with headphones, it's like you're sitting inside the cello. It is a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah, it's so good it almost hurts. Mm. Folks, our special guest this week has been Aussie music royalty Tim Friedman. Tim, it's been great catching up with you. Thanks so much for finding a little time in your busy life to come and play on the road with us. It's a pleasure. It's, thanks for having me. I'll be waving at big trucks <laughs> as I drive past the next three months. Yeah, watch out for them, guys. <laughs> to wrap it up, mate, would you please introduce your new single for us? Sure. This is Tim Friedman from the Whitlam's Black Stump Band, and please have a listen to our new single, all about Ned Kelly's little sister. It features Felicity Urquhart on the vocals in our first duet. Yeah. She brings a lot of emotion to the part of Kate Kelly. The song is called Kate Kelly. You just keep on drinking And you try to forget How they strung up Joe Byrne to the jailhouse door He looked just like a marionette 
want to get in on the conversation you can join us live at on the road radio between seven o'clock and ten o'clock on a saturday night for the saturday session craig forsyth yogi kendall and myself you can ring in 
Have your say. We'll talk about anything. It's live show, live talk back. The phone number you call is 0491 That's 0491 Ring in and have your say. All you've got to do if you want to listen to the radio stream, which we're running 24 hours a day now, is download the app from iTunes, Australian On The Road Radio, or from Google Play, On The Road Radio. Our website is www.ontheroadradio.com.au. Join in, have a listen, and have your say on Saturday night on the Saturday session. I've always said anyone can ring me up and share their opinion and basically get it off their chest. Let everyone know what they're thinking and use the podcast as a vehicle to share their voice. We are an independent voice for Australian trucking. Anyway, my old mate Barry Grimson, brother Sleepy, rang me up and we were having a bit of a chat. And I said, hey, Barry, we really should be recording this. And he said, all right, then we'll press record. And we had a bit of a chat there for a while afterwards and covered a bit of the ground we'd already talked about. So with his permission... This is a telephone conversation that we had. Now, Barry was driving along, coming northbound on the Yume Highway, doing his work. So there's a bit of background noise. There's a bit of UHF going on. There's a bit of indicator going on. And sometimes it's a little bit interesting, the language. So bear that in mind. I'll try and find the bits and put a truck horn over them or something like that, maybe. Here's Barry Grimston and I having a bit of a chat about the state of play in trucking today. Hello, are you there, Mike? Yeah, mate, I'm here. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, how you going, Sleepy? I'm bloody... I, um... I bloody listened to your podcast the other day. Oh, first of all... Yeah. Where's Andy? Get Andy back on your bloody show, mate. I, uh... <laughs> I've been missing Andy. Have you? How's he going? Andy's going all right, mate. He's doing a few things, and, uh... We're going to have him back for the news this week, I think, because Yogi's going to the Mid-America Truck Show. So you'll have Andy this week. Oh, that's bloody good, mate. Yeah, missed him, actually. He's, uh, he's real professional, eh? <laughs> I'll, have, yeah. I'll, I'll let him know you said that, mate. I will. No, uh, well, he's alone. Um, my buddy, I, uh, like everyone who talks about Scott, says, um, oh, you know, we're sick of talking about Scott, but... I um I think for us folks out here, um, well I reckon Scott has been one of the biggest things that, that happened to the road transport industry actually, you know, um not only for the truck drivers who who um who have got the arse, you know, bloody you know, for the, the whole lot of them, you know. Um it's a funny thing. You know, you, they talk about the office girls, we wear out of here and our money and um the office girls are there, you've probably got a wife Yeah, 
on just about all the gear, I think. That's the latest story. They're going to be taking over a lot of their gear. Oh, I see. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully if they do take them over, it's not a matter where they start another company and um, pay the blokes less. Because this race to the bottom, we're talking about bloody, uh, um, you know, not enough truck drivers. This race to the bottom is, you know, is, Less and less place going to take it up because as I was talking about my wife before, if you're out here all week, um, which which you know the great percentage of blokes are, yeah. um, your wife, for you not being home, your wife expects you to take home the dollars, you know. And this race to the bottom of um, of cutting the rate on with drivers uh, like tolls, you got tolls employment, you got tolls. Many of this has happened, though. We've had coots before it, and we've had. Well, I mean, you look back in the history, mate. Just in refrigerated, who can you think of that's no longer around? Refrigerated roadways. Um, bloody Easto's had a refrigerated division, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what happened with the coots? I was at coots when um, when they uh, Rupert Dale uh, not Rupert, bloody uh, what were they called? Uh, oh, they were camp, camp. C-H-A-M-P, they were a a company that used to hold all the Indianapolis and all that sort of shit, you know, the bloody, um, yeah. Well, they took over, and Coots were in a good financial state. That's why they they bought them. And what what their idea was, they they could throw the money from from a good financial position into their their ailing... um, other business, but whatever, they took too much money out of it, yeah. and we went one week where where we didn't get paid. We, the blokes, and all the blokes here were good enough to say, yeah, we'll, we'll bloody uh, let this week go, but they paid us the next, like the next week we got all of it, but that was a big company, yeah. you know, like, yeah. uh, but because they were such a good mob to work for, um, you bend over backwards for them, you know, they were just unreal, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's right. Bob McMillan, I love him. Yeah. Um, Bob and me are outspoken. We mind everyone else's business. Um, and uh, if you don't get people like that, I reckon if everyone's sitting there like clowns going, yes, sir, no, sir, we, well, <laughs> you never get anything. And 
And yeah, you bastard. Like, <laughs> you, 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 you don't mind, uh, you don't mind arguing with someone. You will meet about a few disagreements and things. But I listen to Bob. I love Bob's um, segment on your podcast. Yeah. I was listening the other day to Bob. Um, he was talking about um, first of all the TWU. I think I think the bloody TWU must have given him a dose of that salt. <laughs> 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 he said that the blockade, yeah. the TWU abandoned us. Well, I can tell you something. They weren't the only ones that abandoned us. And I think, I think, I don't know whether it was time constraint or how long he's got on your show or not, but yeah. he should have mentioned the Master Carries. He should have mentioned the LDRTA and the other half dozen bloody organisations that were going, going them days. And, uh, and the LDRTA... Um, even though there was real good blokes in that in that thing, um, Malcolm Campbell and that, like the top blokes, you know, but they like they end up the RTA, and it's funny how the RTA have hidden under an ATA. Have uh, did I say RTA? You said R- you did say RTA. <laughs> I think you meant ATA though, Australian. Yeah, Australian the ATA. <laughs> they're hidden under a rock. About the uh, about the scrubs thing, yeah, you know, and and uh, I know why they hide because it's big business. They don't like talking about big business, you know. Yeah, but um, yeah, and uh, and I I was listening to um, to Bob, yeah, a bit of that, and the other thing, what he said, um, he was right in what he said. That um, the percentage of uh, stuff that's carted by Scott for uh, for Aldi yep. is very small, but because this is such big news, and we're in road transport, yep. because this is such big news in road transport, but not only road transport. I go shopping with Leslie, and I don't know if anyone else goes shopping with the cook or whether they do the shopping. I have noticed that the shelves are a bit empty because of all this stuff as far as freezer stuff because I, 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 I take frozen stuff with me so I do notice, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't notice much else that goes on in the world. I'll give you the drum. But, buddy, uh, um, what the point Bob is, has missed, and I'm not, I'm not saying, saying um, Bob was wrong. Bob was right, but the point he missed... Because it's such big news, Aldi are the only ones that haven't signed up to an to a a handshaking agreement to try and better the industry. The other two mobs have signed up to it, the two big ones, yeah. Woolworths and Coles, but Aldi refuses to, right? Yeah. And and um and you only had to listen to the next segment on your show. Where, where there was a, a bloke in the freezer van is, oh, I look, fair why blokes bloody, why blokes driving? There's a shortage of drivers. Yeah. And these blokes put up with this shit, tell them to bell it up their ringer and bloody go somewhere else and work. Go somewhere where they, they pay the right money and you haven't got to sit around all day. I think, I think yeah. they robbed free, the fellow that you were talking about, the, the, sell, the segment following... Um, Bob's there. He's an owner-driver made out of Brisbane, and I think that 
sometimes or another. I mean, you remember when you had your own. I certainly remember when I had my own. We did put up with a certain few things just to keep the work, you know. Yeah, yeah, you did. But I um, probably why I'm not still in business. If, 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 if it wasn't suited me. Yeah. Um, they knew about it. Oh, I think, yeah, absolutely. I yeah, think yeah. a lot of times we think in this day and age, our, our way of thinking, and also also a lot of times us folks, I suppose, our way of thinking in this day and age doesn't rate where we think we're the saviours of the world, you know, we're, we're these big hairy-legged tattooed truck drivers. <laughs> I'm, include, I'm including myself in that. Yeah. Um, I have my tattoos, but I, I might have somewhere you can't see them. Um, buddy, uh, you know, we think we're saving the world. We're not, you know, we're, we're downtrodden nowadays, and I think it's about time we started, buddy. Um, I don't know how, how they're going to stick up for themselves as far as that goes. Well, it's a little bit harder to stick up for themselves these days, mate. The uh, the legislation's been changed, and, and I think there are a lot of fellas out here now that are just so far, so far down the buddy the pecking order, I think, that they just don't realise the, the amount of power that trucking does have. I mean, COVID proved how much power we have if we chose to exercise it. The problem with it is, you you and I both know, mate, everyone says, oh, why don't we just stay home? Well, if we did, we'd stay, that'd be that'd work. But the reality of it is, mate, you both know that there'd be some ferret out there who'd be in there uh, like a rat up a drain pipe taking your bloody job off you. Yeah, I, I look, I... I agree and I disagree with as far as it's, I don't think we need to stay home. I just think it's like through negotiation. Yeah. <clears throat> um, as I've always said, like we should have uh, belonged to an association through negotiation. And don't don't take a smack in the mouth of the of the association like you're going to tell them because they're only working for you. Like sometimes, like you had Michael Kane on. I love that interview yeah. because you stuck into him. <clears throat> and he got back, then he got back at it, yeah, right? Yeah. But I'm a member of the Transport Workers Union. He's working for me, you know? And if I, if I, I've been outspoken, they hate me. <laughs> like, once they ask, even though I've been subscribed to the union since 1963, yeah. they hate me because, you know, you don't just sit there and they're, they're working for you. Yeah. You know, and us little blokes, us little blokes, we need someone to to be looking after us, you know, and that's why I'm in the union, yeah. you know, but my 700 bucks a year, I think it is, I don't know, Leslie pays it, um, that's, that's paying them, yeah. they're working for me, you know, so um, I think people get the wrong idea about unions, they just sit there, you know, on their hands and they don't bloody um, stick up for themselves, you know, but, but, but like everyone should, I don't know, they shouldn't just belong to organisations. You've got the National Farmers Federation is the greatest example of people who stick up for themselves. Yeah. You get you get a bloody uh, a disease in the pigs, they get a subsidy. You get a bloody drought, they get a subsidy. They get subsidy on fuel and I'm not grouping on them. What I'm saying is if you put your hand up and fight your rights, yeah. you can get anything within reason. Yep. If you meet halfway, which they do, I admire them. They meet halfway, and their business runs right. We don't mind paying the price for bloody Uncle Davy's oats and all that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
Well, the National Road Freighters Association, uh, which I'm a member, and I think you are too, um, they're doing their best to sort of get out there and do a bit these days. Rod Anafee's certainly getting around there. You know, we've got a couple of people on the rest area steering committee. I mean, that's a result of people saying something. I love it. I, it's, it's probably, the, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, it's potentially one of the best things as far as um, unity goes yeah. I've seen in the industry because, you know, you've got Glenn Stirl, who's just a Briton. You've got your show and you've got Bruce Gunner that are, that are now publicly airing our views and, and there's more than bloody truck drivers listen to them. There's a lot of people going... I don't believe this what them poor bastards got to put up with. I yeah, know because yeah. the next door neighbours who are school teachers who I've got them listen to that show, your shows, and, and Bruce Gunners, um, they're retired. Um, and I, I lean over the fence and they don't believe what we go through. Like at least now, this is all being aired and we got a we got a politician and I think I've told you this before on one of these buddy podcasts, we've got a politician now who's willing to get a kick in the arse of all his mates yeah. because he's been sticking up with these dickheads out of here on the highway. <laughs> well, now we've got this Labor government happening in New South Wales, mate. They've made some pretty big promises with saying that they're going to fix New South Wales and make it more attractive to trucking and fix the parking in Sydney. How do you reckon they'll go? Is it all hot air, do you think, or you reckon they'll have a crack at it? Well, I reckon, first of all, um, without being political, I, I reckon first of all is because of what I just said. Yeah. Publicity, publicity has all of a sudden hit home with these with these politicians through through first of all your show and Bruce Gunners and and um, our, our hero Glenn Stirl, who you don't always agree with him, and he he would love. To disagree him so we can sit down and bash our heads against one another to argue about something yeah. because they're the sort of people we want. You know, you don't sit there all sorry. You don't sit there just nodding your head, yes sir, no sir. Yeah. You know, when you disagree with people a lot of the times and then you get things solved. You know, at the end of the day, you bloody kiss, kiss them on the forehead and we're all happy ever after, you know. And I think I, the point you just raised about um, about the Labor government. Well, <clears throat> I think at, at the moment, I'm not going to say they've got no choice, but all of a sudden they've realised that these blokes haven't got to pull the trucks up and slide the road and block the road. Yeah. They're doing it now through, which I'm not I'm probably not a, a real believer in it, but they're doing it through the right channels now. Yeah. You know? And... and and they're making headway. They really are, Mike. And um, you know, as I said before, and you know, I don't bloody um, you and me bloody have had a few blues. I bloody um, yeah, we have. We have. I just, I, yeah, I think it's because of the publicity through. Instead of us listening to um, the two radio jocks in Sydney that we used to sit there like clowns nodding their head, yeah, oh yeah, you're right, oh yeah, yeah. We don't do that now. We got our own our own programs, our trucking programs, you know, and we're hearing the news, you know. I'm pleased to hear you say a lot of that. I mean, thanks for the thanks for the uh, you know the work that you've done anyway in the past. I know, I know that it, live times have changed, and 
we can't do it the way way you guys did it in 1979. What we can do is we can talk about it all, though. You'll be pleased to know I'm going to have Michael Kane back on the show in about two weeks' time. I've already had a chat with him. That's great, mate. I've never met him. <laughs> well, well, he's a bit odd for me. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a bloody, uh, <laughs> I'm only hairy legged truck driver, like I said before. But bloody, uh, you know, and he's up there, bloody, uh, in an executive oh, level. Oh, look, he's. Um, He's all right, mate. He drinks coffee in the morning and he goes to the bathroom like the rest of us, so I don't have too, too worried about no, that. <laughs> don't worry, mate. I, I've met the rest of them through, um, through either good times or bad times, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're tooling along in that big 900 legend there now, mate. We get, we've heard the Jake barking a few times in the background there. How's it going out there on the Ume these days, mate? You, you're running up and down there most of the time, I know, and... Since uh, Scots have stopped running their trucks, you have you noticed a difference in the way things are running up and down there? Mate, it is massive. It, it is like it is like um, in the old days running up here on the weekend. Now Scots aren't aren't running up and down here. I, I, it's a funny thing. I've I've got a few mates there. Yeah. Um, and I I I'm, the last time I met one was a tar cutter. He come over and said good day to me. I had a terrible memory and I couldn't remember his face, but he come over and said, and he was with Bruce Scott when he had uh, Scott's refrigerator roadways, the brown and white Volvos. Yep. Uh, and and the little Akos carting the meat and all that sort of thing. Um, Baker, Baker and all them blokes. Anyway, um, it, it is it is funny how much less traffic there is running up and down this road. Like, like I'm, I'm at daylight today. It's bloody uh, up past nine or whatever it is, and you'd be passing them one after the other coming down here to change over. Um, but they're just not here. And it's funny thing. Leslie and I went to a funeral in um, one of our, our blokes, um, um, Sean Pierce, um, who was driving for uh, UTH, passed away for vigor of um, leukemia. And uh, Leslie and I went to his funeral down in. Um, down in Bayswater on the weekend. And we drive down the car and with Leslie, um, what you gotta do is have a leak before you jump in the bus. <laughs> she just gets going. Next thing eight hours later, she'll pull up for the first stop, so <laughs> she does all the driving <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, we're coming down here and Les- Leslie's a truck at art. Anyway, we're bloody coming down here and uh, I said to her, how are the Lindsay's trucks running up and down here? Yeah. Anyhow, and I, I, I just said to her, I said, well, I suppose they're, they're trying to fill the hole yeah. um, uh, that Scott's have left. And I don't know if the Lindsay's um, executives listen to your show. I just hope that if they do take it over, they treat them blokes right because there's nothing worse than getting the arse, you know, like when, they, when, you know, when your job's finished, you know, because a lot of them blokes... Whether they be black, white, or brindle, yeah. settled into that bloody job, and a lot of us, a lot of us treat our job as one of the most important things in our friggin' life, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do anyway because uh, I'm my boss, and it's a bit like you and me, like we've had our blues. But I reckon if I'm doing the right thing out here, trying to make him money, he's yeah. going to keep 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 in business, you know. Otherwise. Next thing he says, oh, shit, there's a name, but, you know, and he sells out to someone else, and the money we make at, uh, at our company, the money we make, next thing it's 
someone else takes over and you're only making bloody uh, a portion of that, you know? Yeah, yeah well, we've got to say yeah. that you and I both work for a pretty good bloke, so... Oh, oh yeah, mate, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I've been here that long. I've had a hundred jobs, you know. But uh, I, I snared this one and bloody... Uh, yeah, still popping along at my age, yeah. The grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence, though, is it, Barry? Only for a while, mate. Only for a little while. And, yeah, do you have your first hiccup with him or your first hold-up where you're not getting paid? Yeah. Um, and, and as soon as you're held up and you're not getting paid and you get home at the end of the week and you've been a bit longer than normal and your missus says, what's happened? You explain it to her, you tell her the truth. Yeah. But... When she gets the dollars, she says, oh, this ain't freaking worth it. You've been away all the hell them bloody hours and you only get this much. You know, that's why, that's why I reckon it's the biggest reason why, why you know, we're losing truck drivers, you know? Yeah, oh, it's part of the reason, mate. The, the K-rate thing has pretty much got to change, doesn't it? It's no... Oh, it has, mate. It has, you know. You hear night after night, night after night, and we don't talk much on the UHF I better go and do something constructive. I just like everyone to know that it is possible for them, like you, to ring me up and have a bit of a chat and put their opinion out there for everyone to hear. And if they can't do it themselves, I'm more than happy to do it for them. That's. No, you sort, Mike. I um, as I said, when I heard Bob speak, and I heard Bob was true, everything he said was true, yeah. except that was probably edited a bit that it didn't sort of get the whole story, you know? I, I did edit Bob a little bit. I've got to sometimes. It gets That's a bit long-winded. Hey? That is nasty. That's nasty. <laughs> That's nasty. He's done a lot. He, Bob, Bob's done a lot to this industry, and I, I, I applaud him, yeah. Yeah, well, he used to write that speaking out column in uh, in uh, Truck and Life magazine, mate. That was pretty spectacular from time to time. <laughs> I reckon he's getting old and Oh, he hasn't retired, mate. He's still sniping from the sidelines. He's all good. No, good luck to you, Bob. I'm not knocking you, mate. I'm just adding a bit to it, yeah. yeah no worries at all. You take care of yourself, brother. Drive safely. And uh, looking forward to catching up and having a having a drink with you at one stage down the track. Right, right, mate. Sorry for you and Yeah, right, buddy. You're right. No worries at all. See you, mate. Well, there you go. Unedited. Uh, except for a couple of truck horn noises. My mate Barry Grimson, and I'm proud to call him a mate. He's been around in trucking for a long time. He is one of the elder statesmen of the industry and would do well to listen to what some of these guys have got to say. For those who don't know, Barry Grimson was one of the fellows that started the Razorback Blockade in 1979 with Ted Stevens, who was the spokesman and ringleader. Ted's no longer with us. He passed away a few years ago now. And uh, the other guys were Spencer Watling, Colin Bird, Jack Hibbard, and Barry would tell you the last fella unnamed on the memorial up there 
should be Carl Goodfellow. Now, Carl's still driving around. Jack Hibbert, well, no one knows where Jack is. He's always been a little bit elusive. Colin Bird, of course, lost his life in a, a trucking accident many years ago now. Uh, Spencer still lives over in Camden. And as you know, Barry's still driving around. So uh, we're lucky to have the history that we have. And I'm very, very, very fortunate to be able to talk to people like Barry and uh, get their take on what's going on in the world today. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Hi, this is Tim Friedman from the Whitlam's Black Stump Band, and you're listening to On the Road Radio and Podcast. Righto, well, managed to catch up with young Jake Perrett. Jake took out the Professional Driver of the Year Award at the Road Freight New South Wales Conference. Did you know you were going to get that award? I had no clue, mate, no clue at all. <laughs> yeah, Leone was sort of sitting there and, uh, yeah, I mean, you must have realised something was up, mate. You don't get dragged out of the truck and taken to a conference for nothing, do you? No, no, not at all. She um, gave me a couple of days' notice and said, oh, you've been nominated for the, uh, this award and, um, yeah. Well, I, don't think, going... I don't think she knew that you'd won it, actually. I think she knew you were in the pot. That was a bad idea. Nah, nah, that's it, yeah. Well, you drive for Carter's Heavy Haulage, mate. How long have you been working for them? Uh, mate, we're going six, seven years, going on seven years. Um... But you haven't always been a truck driver, have you? You're a mechanic as well, I think, are you? Yeah, mechanic, mate. I dropped out, um, you know, finished year 10. I didn't really enjoy school and my parents were like, um, if you're going to leave school, you need to get an apprenticeship. So oh, I become a diesel mechanic. Yep. Trucks have been around in our family for, I can't remember how long. Um, my old man, he's driven trucks all his life. My yep. grandfather had his own business. My old man's got his own business now. Yeah, yep. so who knows, one day I might have my own business, but... Um, you, never, you never know. You never know. That's it. So where did you uh, where did you do your apprenticeship? Uh, Gilbert and Roach in Newcastle. I was there uh, for five years. Cummins and Cats or just the Cummins or? Uh, mainly, um, well, a bit of both actually, yeah. But um, like doing Kenworth, Isuzu, DAF, Ooh. trailers, whatever came in, yeah. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. DAF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about <laughs> it. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Scary, scary so, stuff. So you've been with Carters for a while now and, you, I mean, surely you didn't just step into the big bangers, mate. You, you must have done some sort of an apprenticeship. How did you end up where you are? They were advertising for drivers and they wanted a young fellow they could train up. Yep. And um, who had their licence and a bit of experience in the industry and 
I told them what I've got and they said, come on board, you know, I was only 21. So yeah. it's a big step for them too, you know. Yeah. So I came over and I, their little tilt trail, I was meant to drive it and um, do a bit of maintenance in the yard and um, I just showed them, you know, like what I can do and mm-hmm. they trained me up to how I am today. Yeah, it's like, you know, you got to crawl before you walk type of thing. Of course. So you've done a bit of a you done a bit of an apprenticeship inside the business. That's what you're saying. Yeah, 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 mate. Yeah, Josh taught me up how he wanted me. So you learn every day, mate. You do, you do indeed. So what are you driving now? I'm in the um, 409 SAR cruising up down the highway with that. Yeah, and um, mainly floats, but um, we vary like between um, the you know we got flat tops and drop decks, and um, I've actually been got me dangerous goods license. So we do bitumen as well. You right, eh? Getting trained up in that at the moment, yeah. You sort of see your future in trucking. You're, I mean, obviously, you're, you're obviously into it. You must love the trucks. I think it gets into your blood, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. It's in your blood, mate. So I think it'll be around for a little while. Yeah. Carters are treating you all right. Obviously, you, you've still been there after a bit, and everything seems as though it's going along pretty good. Yeah, they've been great, mate. Yeah, um, they got a lot of trust in me, and you know, just a little family-owned business, and we're just trying to keep it like that, but. The industry's just growing, mate. So going with the flow, you know, getting new drivers and they say, you know, go with Jake because he's been around, he knows how we work and yeah. train them up and go from there. How do you feel about, you know, the situation with young fellas trying to get a go? It's a little bit hard trying to get a go and do you think that the younger blokes that are coming up now are expecting a little bit too much and, and expecting to be treated probably a little bit different than we have been in the past? Uh, it. Yeah, it's hard because not many people around that age that want to get into the industry. There's not many young fellas these days. It's the older, like, you know, a bit more grown up. Mm. And they see what you're doing and they just want to jump straight to the top. So what do you think about that, though? What do you think stopping them from, from coming in? If I had the answer, I'd tell you. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think they're more worried. Like, you know, that's no TAFE course. Yeah, like you obviously got to get your license and that, but um, I don't know. There's a lot, a lot's changed over the years, so that, that might, that might have been scaring them a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, once upon a time, you used to sort of do your apprenticeship at your father's knee, sort of a thing. Dad would tell you, teach you how to drive, and you'd go and work in the yard, and blokes would teach you how to load, and you'd go and help out. Hundred percent, mate. Uh, yeah. And it's it's sort of changed a bit now. I think the insurance and stuff is probably make it a little bit harder. And there's also the attitude too that. Some companies don't want to pay for the mistakes that blokes are learning make sometimes. Hundred percent, and uh, it uh, it says a lot for carters that you know willing to uh, to give you a, a go and train you and and take the risks that's obviously involved in that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Sort of a bit reminiscent of a bloke I had when I had my own trucks, like named Josh Smith. I don't know if you've ever if you've listened to the podcast at all. You've you've heard would have heard me talk to Josh. Josh has got a bit of a weird lifestyle now. Yeah, I've heard you say his name once or twice, yeah. Well, he worked for me. He was a young mechanic. He did his apprenticeship at uh, Cummins in Adelaide. Yeah. Yep. And he pestered the absolute living crap out of me. And <laughs> I decided, all right, I'll give him a give him a crack. His old man drives a road train. He's only just His old man's only just retired, actually. Yeah. He finally said to him, come and do a trip with me. Show me what you got, right? Yeah. So I did a two-up trip with him. And uh, on the way back from Melbourne back to Adelaide, he, uh, I said to him, I'm going to bed, I'm bored watching you, I'm sick of watching you, I'm going to bed now. So I went and had a bit of a lie down. I said, wake me up when we get to the top of the Adelaide Hills yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll take it down the hill. 
and uh, I woke up with the sound of the Jakes in the in the sleeper as she started to, as she went over the top. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> no, no, he was under control. He's a good young fella, and and uh, he's in his forties now, and uh, works for a tipper crowd up in Brisbane, and uh, he oh, had his right. own truck. Yeah, had his own truck, sir. I went. I actually went and worked for him for a little while after I got rid of mine, which was a bit of a laugh. Oh, there you go. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he reminds me. You, or actually, you remind me a lot of him. And uh, I suppose, you know, he's a he's a family man. He's got the kids, and the family, and the great lifestyle up now. And yeah, and uh, I wish you luck, mate. And hope you turn out like him. If you do, you won't be a bad bloke. No, thank you, mate. Yeah, appreciate it. Congratulations on the award. It's nice to be recognised for doing the right thing and being good at what you do. Like I said, it was a it was a shock, a surprise type thing, yeah. All right, mate. Well, you take care of yourself. Keep it safe out there on the road, all right? No worries at all, mate. Thanks for talking. See you, mate. Bye. See ya. Hi there. I found the discussion on last week's episode of uh, On The Road podcast between Mike and Trevor Warner very interesting and relevant. My attitude to electronic work diaries has been ambivalent at best, despite agreeing with Mike and another good mate of mine, Bruce Gunter, about the potential for removing these stupid and outrageous fines for clerical errors and other stuff. Also, advanced fatigue management is not appealed to me in its standard form. But I must commend Trevor Warner on his thoughtful and clever approach in his AFM application. As I have been saying for a long time, the National Transport Commission as lawmaker and the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator as law enforcer or compliance manager, however you want to say it, cannot call themselves truly national without Western Australia and the Northern Territory on board. Trevor's idea, and I hope it is approved, sets the platform for a precedent to be set and we can only hope that many other drivers follow his example and either apply for their current advanced fatigue management to be modified or else apply for AFM in the same way as Trevor has. What a pleasant change to endless meetings without definitive outcomes that would be. The National Heavy Vehicle Regulator could show that it really has been listening Trevor could get on with life in a much more orderly and less stressful manner. And all of us who need to can benefit. I would be the first to say, well done, if sanity prevails. And I sincerely hope it does. Talking about sanity, my grandfather taught me never to argue with idiots, as passers-by would not pick the difference. Mike and the team have made it easy for people to contribute and comment at On The Road. Please be respectful when you voice your opinion without carrying on like so many idiots or keyboard warriors, as I call them, do on social media. Keep it factual, not personal. And let's get on with just being respectful because it seems that respect is the one thing that is missing in so much that goes on these days. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On The Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Here on the road, it's time for the news. 
G'day Mike, news time with a vintage vibe. Mate, I've missed doing this, I really, really have. Well, I'm feeling a bit of deja vu going on here. A bit nostalgic, mate, I'm feeling a bit misty. Yeah, well, I, I was going to come on and try and do a Yogi impersonation, but then I listened <laughs> back to it and it was terrible, so I decided to guess. <laughs> no one does Yogi better than Yogi. Yeah, that's true, no one does him, yeah. <laughs> It's been kind of weird in preparation for recording the news with you today. I've been trying to remember how we used to do it. Right, eh? I'll tell you, my short-term memory has gotten so bad. But there's a bit of research out of the interest about my family history regarding memory loss. And I found out that both of my parents and both sets of grandparents all suffered from debilitating short-term memory loss. Really? Yeah, I sure hope it doesn't run in the family because I found out apparently that both of my parents and both sets of grandparents also had short-term memory loss. Right. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Right. On with the news, buddy. Oh, mate. On with the news. Let's go. In the past, we've talked about the number of transport companies putting their trucks up for auction and it would appear things haven't changed much with yet another trucking company based in northern New South Wales set to sell off half of their fleet. Yeah, look, Nicholson and Page have decided to get rid of a few of their jiggers. They're not bad-looking trucks, those either. They've been running around for a while. He's downsizing, he says, and uh, trying to make things make a little bit more sense. Obviously, as uh, the margins get tighter and the rates don't change very much, drivers are harder to come by. Uh, It obviously makes a little bit of sense to... Slow down on slow down a bit, and Richie's are doing a roaring trade. I think they're just rubbing their hands together. The only one making any money out of trucking at the moment are the auction houses, I think. Yeah. So, um, we've had a few go since uh, we last had a chat. Some of the big ones, Scott's example, uh, as an example, the other week they uh, they went, as you know, and uh, uh, you really do have to wonder about the future of what's going on. Obviously, new trucks are still hard to come by, so good quality secondhand. Uh, trucks and trailers are still bringing big money at the auctions and maybe if you're thinking about it, it's not a bad time to do it. Yeah, I guess so. Mate, interesting to see that the subject of rest areas is still a hot topic with truckies responding to the Transport for New South Wales Have Your Say campaign, nominating a number of specific areas where parking facilities are at best poor and at worst non-existent. They've gone through and they've listed a heap of names there. No surprises to anyone. They're talking about Eastern Creek. They're talking about Botany. They're talking about various places around the the city of Sydney. Mm. New South Wales is one of the least popular places in Australia for truckies. I managed to get a a hold of our new roads minister, uh, Mr John Graham, for a quick Mm -hmm. chat only yesterday, uh, first media interaction he's had and I got a comment from him about what his thoughts are. I'll be tacking that on the end of the news. There's a lot, a lot of work to be done. Twenty million dollars in Sydney won't go very far. Mm. And I sort of intend to point that out. There are a number of places where we've got some problems. Sydney's a big city. We've got a lot of traffic and a rest area in Eastern Creek doesn't really help you if you're trying to get down to Botany in the morning, you know. It's a long mm. way between drinks. So mm. Looking forward to seeing what's going on there, mate, yeah. Still on the subject of parking issues, following noise complaints, the town of Holbrook in the New South Wales Riverina has effectively banned trucks from the southern half of Albury Street and with the only available trucks stop in town unable to cope with the number of big rigs stopping there for rest and swapping trailers. 
Yeah, well, you can park 364 trailers, a caravan, and a flat top at the uh, <laughs> on the south end of Holbrook. Yeah. Um, there's nothing there. The old one at the top end of town used to have a little bit more room, and guys used to park up by the submarine and, and all that. We've only got ourselves to blame, though. Guys going down there doing the wrong thing, um, relieving themselves in people's bloody lawns. and yeah. Yeah, I mean, Everyone's going to get upset about that sooner or later. Mm-hmm. And who wants a fridge van screaming at minus 18 out the front of their house at 3 o'clock in the morning? And, of course, blokes choose to do changeovers there, so we've got reversing beepers and the slamming of pins and things like that. Mm. You cannot blame the people of Holbrook for being a little bit miffed about the influence that we have in their small town. But I know that they miss us going through there like a hole in the head, I've been told. So, you know, uh, the guys that are going there are making it bad for everybody else. And unfortunately, we don't really think about what's going on sometimes and the effect that we do have on some of these small towns. And of course, what happens when we lose the ability to park? We lose the ability to have access to facilities and things like that. It's yeah. a never-ending cat chasing its tail sort of a situation. Just goes yeah. to show that we do need more rest areas, you know, out in the away from the towns a little bit where we can park and do our thing and really only annoy each other. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? You might not have heard, mate, but there's been another election in New South Wales. It's come and gone with the new government elected. Yep. And the new Labor government has already committed $20 million to improving rest areas in Sydney. Yeah, well, we were sort of talking about that just a minute ago, the yeah. the $20 million that they, they're talking about. It really isn't going to go very far. The, real, the realistic, uh, well... The fact of the matter is, and I know you hate me saying the fact of the matter is, but the fact of the matter is $20 million isn't going to go very far in Sydney. And Mm. uh, I'll be hoping to talk with the transport team and keep across what's going on with their plans to do something. There's plenty to do. Uh, Rest areas are a bit of a hot topic these days. bit sexy. The politicians like to uh, jump on these horses and ride them. It's not a new story, though. I was having a look at a truck and life magazine from the, about 2008 or something, and yep. uh, there was $70 million put up then, you know, for rest areas around the country. So wow. it's not a new story. No, and not overdue for something to be done at this point, either. Oh, well, we've just got more trucks on the road. We've got more hmm. freight movements. Chain of responsibility means that we do need to think about what drivers are doing for resting. We want them to comply with the electronic logbooks that they're talking about now. Um, you can't comply if you don't have places to pull up, and you can't comply if you, you know, have these constant pressures put on you to be particular places at particular times. Yep. Fact is, this is one of the reasons why we struggle to get drivers to stay in the industry. It's also one of the reasons why we have trouble recruiting people. All yeah. they can see is the massive fines that drivers get for failing to comply and then how hard it is to comply. There are no facilities, there are no resources, and they wonder why blokes walk away. It's not rocket science. It's not. Mike, a delegation of some 30 transport industry workers and representatives have rolled into the nation's capital to meet with parliamentarians in an effort to get urgent transport industry reform happening. And look, it's a discussion that we've got to have. Uh, Mm. This road safety remuneration tribunal that we once had wasn't a bad idea. 
the orders, they were the problem. Now, yeah. we're, we're heading back towards that now. The government has never made a, a secret of the fact that they want to talk about this. Certainly, Glenn Stirl has said to me on a number of occasions that reform is something that is going to have to happen. I agree mm-hmm. with that. It's a matter of the shape of the reform. You will hear people like Michael Caine, who I'm going to be talking to next week, have a bit to say about the reform that they think should happen. Uh, I wonder about some of that, and I'm going to be asking Michael what his thoughts are and trying to sort of get that information out. But mm-hmm. we hear various other people talking about rates needing to be set and things like that. I'm well on the record as saying that the reform we need isn't so much in the shape of regulation with fixed rates being set by the government. I don't think that that's a, a good idea. In fact, I think that that's a recipe for disaster. I'm not on my own in thinking that. There are other guys who think that that's exactly the way to go. There's a hell of a lot of ground to talk about. I'll tell you what, uh, mm. in a locked room with some of these fellows, she'd be a fairly robust conversation. I reckon you could actually sell tickets to that. And you peel the paint off the walls. I reckon yeah. you would. And yeah. everyone's got their point of view, and, and uh, it's a little bit hard to try and meet in the middle. I don't envy anyone that's trying to put this thing together. I certainly won't be putting my hand up to be on that committee, that's for sure, because <laughs> no matter what you do, you're never going to please everyone. We do need some reform, mate. There are far too many people paying too high a price for the way we're doing things today. Yeah, true enough. Mate, I've been watching this morning that dramatic dash cam footage of the trackie trying to dodge traffic as he suffered total brake loss heading down the steep pass at Mount Victoria in the Blue Mountains. It was a recipe for disaster, stomach-in-the-mouth stuff. Mate, you've got to wonder what's going on. I know that road fairly well. I've been up and down there quite a bit. And mm. uh, I look, everyone's saying the guy did a great job. I struggle with that. And the reason why I struggle with that, he's forcing those cars out onto the wrong side of the road. Yeah. Um. I don't know why you would go down the left. You're never, ever going to have enough room to go down the left. The poor guy in the caravan didn't have a clue oh. what was going on. Mate, that was absolutely hair-splitting stuff, that. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, I, I happen to know where he's gone off on the side there, etc. Mm. I mean, he's well down the hill, so he must have had some breaks somewhere along the line. Obviously, I wasn't sitting in the seat. I don't know what happened to him, but it looks to me very much like he's gone over the top and not had it in in gear properly at the top of the hill. He's ridden down there a little bit by the look of it. This is only my assumption. And if you listen to me, driver, please feel free to come on and tell me what happened. But it seems to me like perhaps maybe he was driving an automatic truck and he hasn't quite got it right. He's relied a little bit too much on his brakes and got them hot. Once that happens, they don't work properly. And Mm. uh, he's found himself in the situation he is. Must have had his heart in his mouth. It certainly wasn't something he would have planned. but I have to wonder why we would go up the left. If it was me and I was caught in that situation uh, through whatever reason, I'd be going. I'd be the one going down the right-hand side. Uh, mm. It's uh, an issue that you need to deal with. Lucky enough that he did manage to get into that uh, safety uh, ramp there. And that's no mean achievement too, let me tell you. They're pretty ordinary, those safety ramps there on that mountain. Mm. And... You know, he's, he's pulled the brakes on and rolled backwards, so that'll tell you how hot the brakes were. No, that's right. That's what he said. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. nothing. I mean, obviously, he was excited, and, you know, like I would be too. You've got to understand that it wasn't an air issue because the air holds the brakes off. It doesn't apply them. A lot mm. of people don't understand how air brakes work. I mm. uh, don't really have time for a mechanics lesson at the moment, but understand that it wasn't an air issue. It was something else, and to me... 
that screams overheated brakes. Overheated, yeah. Mm. Well, mate, that's our official listing for the day. I, I would be very surprised and probably somewhat disappointed if you, you didn't have a late breaking news item for it. Beep, 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 breaking news. There you go. There you go. Look, sad breaking news, though, too. Mm. We've had a couple of things happen over the last few days that I find extremely disappointing. We've had a uh, truck roll over at Garbock down in Victoria, yeah. and a man's lost his life there. And another one up at Kaibong. It's just terrible. 65 people this year have lost their lives in truck-related accidents. And 17 of those are truck drivers, uh, Mm. which is far too many. If 17 people were being taken in any other industry in this country, there would be a royal commission. Yeah, it's about 17 too many. And uh, to me, I I don't want to go into specifics of of the incidents because, to be frank, I don't think it serves anyone... To, uh, to talk about it too much except for the fact that it's happened. We do need some reform. This is one of the things that the TWU are obviously going to be pushing. They're trying to marry these conversations together. Mm. I struggle with that because sometimes there are more reasons for what happens and we don't know what the answers to those things are until the investigations come out. Yeah. Very, very, very sad, mate. Very sad indeed. Mm. Well, mate, just in the interests of old time's sake, just in case you were interested, and yep. you feel free to tell me if you're not, but I have prepared a thought for the week if you'd like one. I'd love one, mate. I'd love something <laughs> sensible to think about. It'd be nice. Well, it's some wise words from the late, great Muhammad Ali, who said, you don't lose if you get knocked down, you lose if you stay down. That's exactly right. Yeah. It'll look at how people get up. That tells the story, doesn't it? Yeah, it does indeed. Mate, great fun to do it again. Mate, I, I've enjoyed it a lot. Now, before we go, just before we go yeah. quickly, uh, yep. invitation for you to join us on the Saturday session on the radio station for an hour or so if you're interested. On the radio? Me on the radio? On Goodness. the radio? you got a good head for radio, mate. I haven't even got a good head for radio. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a good head for a book. Have you? Yeah. What, to be hit with one? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. I, know, I know, I've been hit with a few that was tired of teacher that used to walk past and give you a smack up the back of the head. So if you weren't paying attention, I got smacked quite regularly. It probably explains why I'm like I am today. It could be part <laughs> of it anyway. So uh, this Saturday, eh? This Saturday, mate, yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you a, send you the phone number to, to dial in if you're interested in coming on for a go and have yeah. a bit of a chat. I know, uh, Who, I know there are certain... Who's on with you? Sorry? Who's on with you? Who's on with me? Craig Forsyth's yeah. on with me this week. I believe, oh, yeah. I believe uh, I've, I've invited Bob McMillan to join us for a bit of a chat too. Right. He would obviously love to have a bit of a chat with you. Don't have to stay for the whole time, mate. Just just swoop in, uh, have, a, have a drink, whiskey in your case, I'd imagine. And, yeah, a bourbon, yep. Or a bourbon and, uh, and just generally enjoy the atmosphere in the shed. Yogi's at Matt's, as I said, so we won't have to worry about him. Yep. And uh, you can take his stool if you want for the for an hour or so. Up to you. I don't want to know anything about Yogi's stool, thank you. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Time to wrap it up, mate. It's great. Thanks very much for coming and doing the news with me. You take care. Have a good week, eh? Yeah, you too, mate. Hopefully see you Saturday. Thanks, mate. Ta-da. John Graham, future Minister for Roads. Um, congratulations on a win, mate. What a smashing victory it looks like. Yeah, look, we're really happy and uh, the work starts as Roads Minister as early as tomorrow when we're sworn in. Uh, this will be the first uh, 
maybe a chat I've had, but very keen to do it given the importance of uh, the roads portfolio, but also uh, really one of the things we want to shift, which is making Sydney and New South Wales a more friendly place for truckies to work. Boy, mate, you won't get any argument out of any of us. So from what we're seeing at the moment, it looks like Joe Halen's going to get transport and is Jenny Aitchison still likely to get a regional roads portfolio? Yeah, we're really expecting the team to stay in place, uh, but get to work straight away. That, that'll be the direction we're given by Chris as leader, as he's also sworn in as the Premier of New South Wales. And I'm very, very excited to uh, see what's going to happen down the track. I uh, did like a lot of what was said prior to the election. You've made some pretty big promises. I'll be holding you to account. Yeah, no, fantastic. Well, happy to chat over time. Yep. and uh, But really looking forward to getting the sleeves rolled up, uh, getting stuck into these roads issues, which are so important right across New South Wales. They are, mate. Thank you very much for your time briefly. I know I've taken a little bit out of your day. You go back to what you're doing and we'll talk down the track. Chat soon. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Bye. Right, oh, well, there you go. That's uh, John Graham, the incoming transport minister. John's been a member of the New South Wales Upper House since 2016. Uh, he grew up in Albury, uh, moved to Newcastle and graduated from Newcastle High and completed a Bachelor of Economics at the University of Sydney. Before joining Parliament, he worked in the higher education sector and he was Assistant General Secretary for the New South Wales Labor Party and the Deputy Chief of Staff to the New South Wales Premier Nathan Rees. I've listened to John speak a couple of times. If he lives up to the promises he's made, he won't get any drama from me. And uh, I'm afraid that's the way it goes. Now, Joe Halen, next transport minister, grew up in Sydney. Uh, she's been a part of the New South Wales government since 2015. I think that she will bring something to the team. I'll be looking to catch up with her. Obviously, once everyone's sworn in and they've got their legs under the table, I'll be looking to catch up with all of those. And Jenny Aitchison, of course, who I interviewed at length on the show a couple of weeks ago, is looking like retaining that regional roads and transport portfolio. So that can only be good for us and for the industry in general. We'll wait and see what happens. As we know, New South Wales is the crossroads for everywhere else in this country. Uh, most of the time, if it's going north or south from, or east to west, it generally starts or finishes or crosses through New South Wales. What these people decide to do with our roads and with our transport infrastructure down the track is something that we really do need to keep an eye on. And Labor have made the crucial promises of trying to make the metropolitan parking in Sydney a priority and fix some of those issues. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to look at. And I will be keeping my eye on it closely and uh, we'll be seeing what develops down the track. At least these guys are prepared to talk to us and listen to us. What more can we ask, I suppose? Let's see what happens. April 1979 and a cast of thousands of disillusioned truckies were making history, setting up a series of blockades the likes of which had never been seen before and most likely will never be seen again. Led by Ted Green Dog Stevens and a small band of dedicated individuals, this massive wave of protest against unreasonable working conditions, unfair pay rates and unjust laws spread like wildfire from its home base atop Razorback Mountain. Razorback, The Real Story is the book written by Ted Stevens that chronicles the dramatic days of the blockade, the battles with politicians and the media, 
and that time in history when truckies around the country united in a powerful force and said, enough. Razorback The Real Story has now been made into a beautifully produced audiobook, available for purchase at ontheroadradio.com.au. Whatever you do, don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to discover all the facts and details of the Australian trucking legend that is simply known as Razorback. Once again, here's this week's guest music artist Tim Friedman and the Whitlam's Black Stump Band with a live rendition of their song The Day John Sattler Broke His Jaw, beautifully accompanied by the pub choir. Sunrise on the station Breaks the morning spell Red and green streamers flying Beside the railway view hotel Cleveland Street shuffle shining Into the mighty roar We were walking through the twilight The day John Sattler broke his jaw Living ain't to a house Postman's his land of plenty And there was nothing left For people like us In September 1970 Some worked the Avley Railway Arts Some worked the Chantries And the Botany Shore We didn't work the Saturday That John Sattler broke his jaw Yeah, but tired of Straight between the posts Drink your beer and shed no tears For these days you miss the most Every step and sunset shining In black and front on a door And the tears roll down like rashes The day John sat and broke his jaw Saturday morning on the Botany Road Was mean and it was lean Rabbit killers in old Ford Falcons Stalling through a richer man's dream By afternoon we were jammed tight Inside the hotel doors Even the TAB was empty The day John Sadler broke his jaw Yeah, it's high Lounge, the young girl rocks a prayer. 
An old guy downs a flag ale with the ghost of Dave Sands. Clothes lines are flying high, the sun is sinking behind the flats. As stone girls walk in circles with their babies on their backs. As big trucks roll down wide streets, heroin filled storm drains. Suburban towns are turned blue and brown. Use old laws for their street name. They took you down to Campbelltown, to Mount Druid and St. Mary's. Young Labour sits stone in a terrace house. The Sydney Swans on pay TV. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On the Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.